You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. Today's topic couldn't be more perfect for our show. We're talking about leveraging AI technology to help marketers take advantage of an advertising channel that's been slept on far too long. Podcasts. We've got not one, not two, but three ANA member companies with us for the episode. Sirius XM Media, Barometer, and Arts AI. These three organizations joined forces to create a tool that can analyze the content of a podcast episode at such a nuanced level, it can contextualize language use and even pick up on things like sarcasm in the speaker's voice. What does that mean for marketers? Brand safety and suitability data on an episode level for the first time ever. We'll take you behind the scenes of the tool's creation, show you how brands are already taking advantage of this new technology, and, of course, give you a glimpse of what comes next. Everyone, we are back in the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast virtual studio. We have got a very special episode today. It is in and around the podcast space, which you know I love, and it is the trends in technology bringing us into the future, so you know we had to cover it. Please help me welcome my guests today, Maria Brisa, VP of Audience Data Operation and Ad Quality Measurement at SiriusXM Media. Caleb Mansfield, the VP of Partner Success at Arts AI, and Tamara Zubati, co-founder and CEO of Barometer. Thank you all for taking some time to stop by the pod today. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're going to jump right in because like I said, this is really an interesting cross-section of technology and media and consumer behavior and a burgeoning channel. So like I said, it's a real no-brainer that we're here to discuss about this new solution that the three of you and your companies kind of came together to make a reality. But let's start at the beginning, the kind of reason that we're all here today having this conversation. Now, despite the massive amount of attention podcasts receive, marketers have been slow to leverage the medium to its fullest extent. Now, could you elaborate on the specific challenges marketers were facing in the podcast advertising space that led to this partnership between Barometer, Arts AI, and SiriusXM Media? Yeah, I'd be happy to take that one. It's true. Podcast listenership is booming. And yet we look at this very large gap between how much time users are spend listening to audio and how many dollars are going to audio in the whole media pie. So one of the biggest barriers to entry, I think that we've seen in working with advertisers is that there's a really hard time finding the right audience and the right content alignment and doing it at scale. Doing it on a small scale tends to be maybe not easy, but not as hard as when you're really trying to reach a really large audience. And that's often what big brands are trying to do. And so when you start to talk to large brands about how to enter this space, brand safety and suitability comes up. It's really important to these advertisers. And so that's why this opportunity with Barometer and Arts AI is such an exciting development for our industry. 
We know measurement, we know transparency, and this creates a way for advertisers to find the right audiences and the right content and to verify it with third-party measurement to make sure that the offering that's coming from the seller of the advertising is matching up with what that brand really needs to see for an alignment to make sure that their brand is showing up in the right way in the right space. Yeah. And I just think that it's an incredible combination of capabilities. I think that these were solutions that were sort of partially or at least approaching being touched on. But this was really the moment of convergence where marketers could get everything in one space, which I think is such invaluable for marketers. One of the craziest things that this offering is capable of doing is picking up on nuances like sarcasm and contextual uses of words. Could you provide some insights into how this software, this machine was trained to pick up those nuances and how important was feedback from partners like SiriusXM during this whole process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd be happy to take a stab at that and I'd love to get your feedback, Maria, on, on the process of the back and forth and the iteration. So um, basically in the past, advertisers listened to episodes and mm -hmm. they probably still should and do. But what we do is we made, we made a machine that basically listens to all the episodes and can provide some data. And so to kind of dive into how we get into the nuances we created Barometer in response to what we thought was a failure of legacy systems that were primarily relying on keywords in the display mm -hmm. and, and other spaces. And maybe in display, it's okay to have keywords because it's like 100 words on a page. Right. In a podcast, like it could be a four hour conversation and those same words can be used in a variety of different ways. Um, so we bring a three level approach that we basically design to understand the context in addition to what is being talked about. So the first step is the presence of step. So there's several categories of things that advertisers care about. And part of our nuanced approach is actually breaking out those individual categories so that you can understand, mm -hmm. like, was it the profanity or was it the adult content in something like true crime? Was it them talking about guns and murder or was it adult crimes that were really what the advertiser was concerned about? Um, so that's the first step, the presence of step. At that step, we still don't know, like, were you shooting a gun or shooting a movie or shooting a basketball? The second level is contextual. So all that means is some positive or negative indicator that we're in the right subject matter. So in the shooting example, is it talking about a crime or are we talking about movies? Right. Um, and then finally, there's tons of podcasts that talk about shooting in violent crimes, but they all talk about them in different ways. And so that final piece is kind of our secret sauce is that tonal piece. And tone is not the same as sentiment. Sentiment is rather limited. It can give you like high, like positive, neutral or negative, right? But with tone, we can look at the specific like ratios and combinations of how things are being said. So we can look at a true crime show and we can say, you know, the way that they're talking about this crime is with more joy than sadness. And that's an indicator of the kind of the context of how it's being talked about that goes beyond just the fact that it's there. And that's the type of stuff that can give advertisers that additional kind of nitpicking ability. And with that comes an understanding of what's contextually appropriate for podcasts. So if you're running in a true crime podcast, you probably shouldn't be anti-targeting crime. And that seems like intuitive, but in other media types, it's not the same. 
And so one of the unique things about our offering is the ability to make contextual exceptions based on genre or specific subtopics that make it possible for an advertiser to not have rules that are so hard and fast that they eliminate entire genres. Uh, So for genres that are tricky, like the news, for example, you can look at specific topics that you care about. The next piece to talk about is the iterative process of training these models. So we're really proud that all the 40 machine learning models that are used to do the barometer machine are all handmade by the barometer team. That means we know every single... It's crazy. Shout out to the barometer team. Hell yeah, let's go. (laughs) But they know every single data point that is in every single data set. So we don't use anything that's like commercial. So that means that we can account for data drift. We have continuous processes looking at our data sets balanced. We have random testing uh, where we have manual validation of what is automatically tagged going on regularly and continuously. And as part of that process, we worked with SXM early on. Uh, they actually became a beta partner of Barometer over two years ago. That's when we first started. Like, they really care about this challenge. And and they're also among the more transparent partners. So actually, SXM passes all of the information that's required for us to understand what is being talked about, the show-level identifier and the episode-level identifier. And so during the initial kind of early, early beta, like two years ago, we were sharing data on like what we were flagging and getting feedback from Marie and her team about like, you know, like, this isn't really high risk. Like, here's some more episodes that are just like this. And we were able to look at things like what percentage of the content is being flagged as high risk for crime, and then leverage additional more nuanced signals to move that distribution and make it more representative of what is actually experienced by publishers and by advertisers. And what was cool was we got to get feedback both from SXM and as well as from advertisers. So we had that double-sided validation that like, yes, this is medium. And that's actually quite novel because there's nothing like that that exists. Like we don't have a example like spreadsheet that's like, this is an example of a pause, like medium risk. This is high risk, but we kind of built that internally. And as a res- result of that, we don't make any spot changes. So unless there's a transcription error, that's verifiable, we won't update a score willy-nilly because somebody's unhappy with it. Uh, We only make global changes, such as the ones that we were able to make through the feedback-based calibrations. That is just so cool. And I I think it just makes uh, a a tool like this, like that I think is such a necessary element of it. Caleb, can you talk to how uh, Arts AI kind of added this other element that kind of makes these capabilities exponentially more powerful for for marketers. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, you know, I don't want to speak for uh, the barometer team, but the barometer tool, I think, before Arts AI came in and we created this AB Daily product was kind of a, a planning tool for for before the campaign was was launched, a pre-planning tool where you could see the brand safety, brand suitability metrics of the podcasts and shows that you were planning to buy. Um, and it also served as a tool to kind of monitor the campaigns, maybe mid-campaign or, or after the fact, um, once you've kind of seen once Barometer's team kind of saw what shows were, were ran on, so after the media plan or after the buy. What the Arts AI tool does uh, is by using our impression trackers, that are attached to the actual ad being served or using our prefix, which is placed on a podcast RSS feed and can retrieve download information um, about, about a podcast. We actually are able to then funnel barometer the impression data in real time. And that impression data includes show name, episode name. So the barometer team can actually receive that information on a daily basis 
and score your your podcast on a on a daily basis and then the advertiser is able to you know not necessarily in real time but on a daily or weekly basis kind of see if the shows and episodes that they're buying on um, are meeting their brand safety metrics and are, are brand suitable for for their advertisers so it's kind of brought the tool to a, a, a mid campaign level, I guess is the best way of saying it and allowed you to monitor the campaign throughout the buy, not just before and, and after the buy where, you know, it's harder to react at that point. Once you've either spent the media dollars or pre-campaign, you might lose out on media dollars by not having some kind of monitoring tool and by not being able to sell the advertiser on a certain podcast that was actually completely safe for their for their brand. So it, we, we kind of see it at all three facets, but it brings the pre and post together with this monitoring during the campaign. That's super cool. And I imagine like that gives a bit of the programmatic capabilities that were lacking a lot in pot in the podcast space i feel like that is one reason that advertisers are like well why can't it do why can't it do what this static picture served on websites can do without you know realizing or appreciating the nuance of it this brings it closer to what is in sort of a marketer's toolkit right now uh so i can imagine that and i think it allows people to be a little more i don't want to say risky but bolder in their initial decisions because they can actually track that before the campaign is completely finished which sort of leads into my next question has this tool changed how uh and i i think this is probably primarily for maria but i would love to hear anybody's thoughts on it has this tool changed how you've been able to talk to clients about their show selection definitely one of the things i really like about the barometer solution is that it matches up to the garm framework and definitions for brand safety and for brand suitability so at a start it gives us a framework to understand how this fits in with your display buy or your video buy or other places that you're buying and the characteristics that you think are appropriate for your brand and to do that in a really scaled way so you're not sort of creating a, a list of keywords or something that, that means this to you today or that for you tomorrow. So we really like the notion of using the GARM framework. But audio, of course, is a little bit different. Like we've been talking about this whole time, particularly podcasting. It's a very intimate, nuanced, one-on-one -on -one conversation that's not scripted um, and that feels like you're having a relationship with the person that you're talking to. So it it is, of course, different. And what has really changed for us is, you know, we, we're having a conversation with an advertiser and they're very clear about what their standards are in terms of how they think about their media. And we'll have some initial conversations with them, but they'll also make their first selections. And one advertiser we were working with recently together was an auto retail. And they had felt that news was not an appropriate place for them to be. And so, you know, when we went into the test, we took them out of news content, we ran them, and then we started to look at the results at the end, which really created an opportunity for, for us to think about okay, where were you? What passed? Um, where were you? What didn't pass? And let's talk especially about those things that didn't work. And that's really led us into the nuance of podcasting about how the content is just so much deeper than a lot of what you would experience elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And so Barometer flagged news podcast about F1 racing, which 
was actually news that would be really appropriate for that advertiser. And so we were, you know, a bit misaligned maybe in those definitions, but it created a whole new opportunity to have a conversation about certain kinds of news or certain subsets of content that hadn't really been considered because it wasn't part of their normal media diet as a brand. So we think it's very important to start with the targeting, to start with the validation. But since this is so such early days, we think a nuanced conversation about things like true crime, and wanting to be there, but maybe getting flagged for arms and ammunition is a risk that an advertiser is willing to, to make. And at the end of the day, advertisers tend to be open to taking risks as long as they're really clear what those risks are mm -hmm. and there aren't sort of any big surprises. And so this technology really helps us to have those nuanced conversations as people are getting to understand this new medium that's really scaling so rapidly and is a really good place for advertisers to be with super engaged audience. My goodness, yes. Yeah, and I feel like there's a little bit of podcast education in general going on that I could see a major automotive marketer being like, I'm sorry, there are news programs that are just about FS1. And like, you know, in their mind, maybe that's a 15-minute segment on ESPN8 that they need, they would need to go find out. It's like, no, actually there's like 400 hours worth of content specifically in that vertical created every month. So that must be very interesting to have those kind of next level conversations with marketers who, and I think in the audio medium, it's very different. Like you said, true crime a few times. I know a lot of people who are true crime junkies that none of their demographic information or psychographic information would necessarily belabor that because they're not watching slasher horror films all the time but there's just something very different in the media so what does speaking of kind of advertisers and using this tech what does this tech look from the advertisers perspective we've heard a bit about how it was put together and the different capabilities what does using this feel like for a brand yeah i can talk from an arts ai perspective and then tomorrow maybe jump in on the kind of reporting capabilities on your end so from our end, as I kind of mentioned in the initial conversation uh, about the tech, it's really just a one-by-one -one impression tracker at the moment. I can kind of talk about the potential futures of the tech uh, later on in the conversation, but it's really as simple as, as requesting a one-by-one -one impression tracker, either from ArtsAI, if you were already a partner of ArtsAI, or from the publisher like SXM. And that's to kind of use the base level of AB Daily, where you're getting the brand safety metrics from Barometer. There's also a layer of it where you can include attribution, as Maria kind of alluded to earlier, um, where you can not just get brand safety and suitability metrics, but also measurement metrics in terms of like KPIs from your campaign. And that would include a pixel being placed on the client's website as well. And ArtsAI would kind of conduct the measurement in that example. And so you can get your KPI measurement, and then you can also get your brand safety measurement by using a single tracker or tag on the, on the network's platform. Yeah. And in terms of like the advertiser experience, kind of going through the lifecycle of planning to targeting and monitoring, from the planning perspective, they can now go beyond just an inclusion list and consider options like a run of network that's targeted for them because they don't have to just blindly trust that it's happening. They have a way to verify what's happening. And there's currently no self-service pre-bid available at the episodic level uh, and only really one for the show level in a DSP called Audio Hook. But today, like on Trade Desk, the same way that you can target for display and CTV for brand suitability and contextual, you can't do that for podcasts. So I feel like this gives advertisers the confidence that even though they don't necessarily have hands-on keyboard for setting the filters, 
they can still monitor in real time and make sure that their standards are being respected. And that opens up the possibility for these run of network or broader buys beyond just an inclusion list, which represents a huge opportunity for growing scale. It's really hard to scale if you have three titles on your inclusion list. Right. Um, and yeah. And the, the other part about the advertising experience that changes with the monitoring and the targeting kind of loop where you can monitor where you're being targeted and then adjust your targets based on what you're seeing, like the F1 example, to make sure that that would have been included in the next time. I think it's changing the POV on set it and forget it to kind of demystifying the reality of what's in the podcast content so that you can dynamically adjust your targets based on what you're actually seeing is working for you. And I think bringing in that kind of real-time data piece into it instead of just having to rely on what you thought at the beginning, I think that's really changing the, the process. When you think about it from a, a publisher and sort of where we're at in the market and how we offer this and talk to our clients, what we offer is actually in a programmatic setting, we'll offer a deal that is anti-targeting certain GARM segments. We can set up that deal for you. And what Barometer brings to the picture is the ability to verify that. Similarly, in a direct sold fashion, an advertiser might come to us and say, you know, I want to eliminate anything with a high level of profanity and we'll target that for them. The power of this barometer arts AI solution is to validate that we've actually done what we what we said we would. So for a couple of years now, we've had the capability through AdSwiz to do the targeting on this brand safety and brand suitability. But what's really amazing for us in this moment with barometer and arts AI is to go beyond just targeting and say, hey, we think we actually got it pretty right on this one and we're matching really well against a third party um, and we can show you that we agree on how this is showing up in your campaign. Podcasting is such a huge opportunity. The depth of engagement that fans have with their podcasts, I think it is criminal that it's not more leveraged by marketers. So this is all very, uh, very exciting for folks who want to get into the audio space, which you should. Podcasts are awesome. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, now, we touched on brand safety a few times in the podcast and obviously across every channel that is incredibly important. But I don't want to undervalue this tool's ability to assist with brand suitability. Now, how is this, and we've talked about this already in a few facets, but I'd just like to hear about how this is enabling advertisers to do more with podcast marketing beyond maybe finding a niche or two that they wouldn't necessarily dive into? Are there other things that marketers are being able to kind of just have more control, more power, more flexibility in their podcast advertising through this tool? Yeah. So we've talked about news. We've talked about true crime. These are some of the things that come up fairly regularly. The other sort of big one that comes up around where podcasting is different tends to be around profanity. So we talked about this being a conversational medium, and if you move that forward a few steps in your thinking very quickly, you start to realize that people speak differently than they show up written on paper or in scripted content, and there tends to be a little bit more profanity in how we speak to each other day to day. And when you talk to advertisers about that, their initial reaction sometimes is, well, like, wait a minute, I can't be near that particular word, or I really like this is a hard stop for my brand. Uh, but when you really start to unpack it and you demonstrate to them shows that maybe have 
a low level of profanity for podcasting, but there are the, it's the kind of content they want to be next to. They have agreed that it actually makes sense to loosen the rules a little bit in this particular medium, just because of how people speak to each other. And so this great solution with Arts AI and Barometer is really about telling the story, the power of the medium and what makes it a little bit different and how sometimes you have to think about tweaking your brand suitability rules just a little bit to be in this different medium. And certainly there are times when profanity is not okay. I've seen some podcasts that have a lot in one episode, but we have had some pretty good conversations with very, very large brands in the CPG space about what is and isn't appropriate and how it's a little bit different in this medium compared to others. Yeah, 10,000%. It's just as a podcast fan myself, there are like, it's not not every bomb is created equally, you know, that is there's the tone and the things that we've been discussing that now Barometer is able to pick up on and report on uh, and through our uh, Arts AI deliver as the campaign is live. Like I said earlier, it's just a deeper understanding of the channel and a deeper understanding of the content. And that's just going to be more intuitive and more effective marketing. I can't really see a way around it. Yeah, and part of our kind of initiative so far has been to grow awareness about what do these brand suitability data types look like for say like the top 50 most monetized podcasts or like the Edison top 50 set, just so that advertisers can kind of see like, oh, mm -hmm. I know this show. This show is really popular and my kids listen to it or and I listen to it. And th these are the properties of that show. Like I feel like just bringing the transparency really helps contextualize these new norms. Yeah, 10,000%. And yeah, I think a lot of people who, who might just be like, no, that doesn't have a lot of curses on it. It's like, Yes, it does, but it's a wholesome feel and it's never angry cursing and they're never like hitting down on people. So it's that it's not received in the same way. You bring up a really important point. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I think maybe you're about to make the same point. But what's really interesting about what we're doing here with Barometer and Arts AI is that it's not at the show level, it's at the episode level. So sometimes you might have a show that normally is very much on the rails and the advertiser feels really good about most of the content on that show. But the power behind what we're doing here with episode-based targeting is that we can also pull out an episode if it really is different than the core of that episode and make sure that the advertiser can be prote protected in that case if that's the kind of buy they're executing at an episode level. Yeah, I love that nuance. The other piece I was going to add is to your point about how, say they use the term, say they used a profane word or a slur in a hateful way. There's actually a different GARM category for hate speech. Mm. And mm. we also measure the tone of how it's used. And we'll talk about this in a little bit. But one of the one of the big kind of areas of concern is for like diverse content. And the way that certain words are used, is it used in a hateful way or is it used in a conversational way between in-group members? Uh, I yeah. think that creates a whole new opportunity in terms of the future of this technology. That's a perfect segue because that's exactly what I want to talk about next. This is the Marketing Futures podcast. And this is um this 
combined solution is what several months old. We are we're talking about the very beginning of this. So while obviously I'm sure there are optimizations and kind of things that we want to shore up on the phase one, but can you let us into any ideas or, or what can be shared about what the future of this technology might look like? Yeah, one area that we're really excited about, you know, going into 2024, and it's going to take a lot of development, but that's what, you know, we're, we're here to kind of talk about the future is, is bringing this product into the future of, of vast tagging in the podcasting space. So I'm not going to get too into the weeds in ter- terms of the history of vast tags, but vast tags is a technology that has come from the video space and it allows for calling an ad server for a creative or a decision as to whether uh, that creative can be served. So Arts AI has vast tagging capabilities as an ad server, where if a podcasting network or publisher serves a vast tag, it can actually decide whether uh, that user or that ad should be served on a specific podcast. And so if the podcast is not meeting the brand safety metrics of that brand, uh, the ad would not be served on a podcast or on an episode. So it's actually deciding in real time whether that ad should be served. Um, There's a couple reasons as to why this might be more of a future tech. One, Vast tags are not fully accepted right now in the in the podcasting space. Now, SXM has done a lot of great work in that space. Um, some networks are starting to accept them and, and test with them and, and do betas. The other reasoning is that the actual technology behind making that decision, I think, is it still needs a little bit of work. Um, and we're working with Barometer very closely to hopefully get there in, in Q1 or Q2 of next year. But it's really a, uh, it would be an amazing solution because not only would we stop brands from um, you know advertising on podcasts that are don't meet their their metrics, but kind of alluding to our our conversation earlier, this technology has been available in, in other spaces in the past. And so it brings podcasting closer to some of the technologies in the other media channels like video, like programmatic display and and things like that. Yeah, and another opportunity that we're seeing is, we're already starting to get some of the data and insights about basically performance and contextual insights from the monitoring. In addition to just verifying the brand safety and suitability standards are met, we can learn like which context got you the most impressions or got you the most conversions. And we have precedent in the market from like groups like Trade Desk working with like Orange Theory to understand in a study that they did about like which genre is best predicting of conversion or whatever their metric was for conversion, we can kind of bring that a similar vibe of an analysis, but with multiple columns of contextual data. So in addition to genre, we'd have the IAB contextual targets, we would have all of the brand suitability data, and you could conceivably get to a future where an advertiser could say, actually, it's medium risk profanity in podcast comedy that converts for us much better than this no risk show for anything. And I think that's kind of a really interesting future for an auto optimization approach. And so the the example that Maria brought up with the F1, like it takes this process of iteration and the current state for us to learn about what are some of these auto optimization opportunities that we should be seeking out and then eventually Mm -hmm. automating. 
And so we feel like we've been rather logical in our kind of rolling out of this. We haven't started out by just automatically blocking everything. We have instead started by monitoring, really taking it slow and understanding what is the data that's coming out and then how can we use that to then define exactly like what Caleb has said, that next generation of created solutions um, to, and then auto optimization solutions to really level level it up and especially that automation and the scale. Because hopefully if we do everything right, we'll be seeing a lot more bigger, more scaled buys. And then the mm-hmm. opportunity for that auto optimization will really be there. Yeah. And that just feels like a win-win-win because the listeners getting stuff that is just better and better optimized towards them, the advertisers getting a better result, and podcasting is getting the respect it deserves as an advertising channel. So that all just makes perfect sense. It's very exciting. Before we pivot to some questions we ask all of our guests, if there are advertisers out there who, okay, they were trepidatious before, but I think they're ready to figure out what mid-level profanity show is the one for them how can they learn more about this tool and get involved get started using it well there's a couple ways one you could uh speak to your sxm media ad sales rep um if you don't know them you can reach out to me i would be happy to find that person for you and we could help you figure out a verification solution but you also might choose to reach out directly to caleb or tamara on their teams as well and how would we do that caleb and tamara you can reach out to me at uh, Caleb at artsai.com and I'd be happy to uh, walk you through how to get that set up. And for me at Tamara at thebarometer.co. And if we're doing emails, mine is mbariza at pandora.com. There we go. You've got it. You have no excuse now. It is time to unlock that channel that you should have unlocked or at least started working on five years ago. All right, everybody, uh, (laughs) I'm going to ask these across the board. This first one is open by design. Uh, What are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? If you want to decide who goes first among the three of you, if not, I'm happy to pick based on how you're all showing up on my Zoom screen. I'd love to start. This is a really important pillar of barometer. Historically, brand safety and suitability technologies have failed diverse voices whether it means disenfranchising communities mm-hmm. that have different linguistic norms, uh, even yes. within the big United States, or uh, creating stereotypes or facilitating stereotypes about groups. And I will give two examples. One example might be uh, drag creators. Um, and so if you're a drag creator, potentially your content could be considered adult just by the nature of who you are, even if the conversations that you're having are not adult at all. Mm. Um, so that's one opportunity is to dispel stereotypes using this type of data. Uh, another example would be like black creators and we can kind of step outside into other communities as well. But right now I'd love to speak to like black creators because we're barometers started a coalition for inclusive audio where we're actually working with black creators and black media owners to co-define what does brand suitability mean to you? Do you know how brand suitability technology is currently handling your content and kind of bringing visibility and transparency to that? But then working together to A, measure, are there differences in how our non-keyword-based technology handles Black voices and Black conversations versus not? There probably are. And so the first step is collecting that data. And then the second step is creating potentially education about norms. Like, maybe you would need to know that for a certain show, you should be okay with high levels of profanity because that's culturally normative. And- 
bringing that education and that visibility by working directly with groups of creators to really learn from them about what's normal in their in-groups. I think that's kind of like the path forward, um, as well as bringing those research insights out to the public. The other awesome benefit of the monitoring solution is we can actually track the dollars going to diverse voices. Mm. Um, and so we can actually like give those readouts and provide data where there hasn't existed that data before. Um, the final kind of summary note is we think about brand suitability as an inclusion process rather than an exclusion process fundamentally. And I think that really changes the status quo of how these types of technologies have been applied in the past. Absolutely love it. I'll I mean, pick. who wants okay. to go after that? I, <laughs> I was going like to say, it's hard to follow up on, but somebody needs to go. <laughs> Mara totally, uh, totally got that one. But I think definitely I would plus one to the notion of making sure that diverse voices are being monetized and have the opportunity to be heard. The audiences are out there. So how do we make sure the money is getting to all creators, mm -hmm. uh, anything, tools like what's been created here with Arts AI and Barometer really start to turn that flywheel and make it happen. I mean, for me internally building teams, diversity drives really great products. And I think that that was certainly in play, even as we're just thinking about three companies coming together here for sort of one solution, it's powerful. And so it's something I, I don't discount and don't forget day to day. Uh, but I feel like Tamara really got us on the one that one. So I'm not going to talk too long about it. Yeah, I would echo what um, both Maria and, and Tamara said. I think one unique perspective Arts AI can can kind of give is a from an AI company machine learning perspective. Um, there are some kind of nuances with AI right now that definitely need to be worked on at an industry level. Um, you know, we do machine learning technology both kind of from a decision making standpoint, working with hopefully in the hopefully with a future product with Barometer, but we also do it from a creative perspective. So we have another product we call AI personalization where it's kind of works on which creative should the user receive based on that the data coming from their device. And we've done a lot of workshops around AI technology and some of the downfalls of AI technology. And, and right now, one of the biggest ones is biases in machine learning. And so we did a workshop the other day with our partners at Claritas. And, you know, we did an example, and I'm not going to name the AI generation tool, but with an AI generation tool where you wrote the sentence, show me a picture of a American doctor. And every single time you wrote it in, it was a white male, right? And a lot of creative gen uh, generative products like that do have those, those biases. And so when it comes to something like this technology and, and potentially deciding which podcast ads should be served on or not be served on in real time, before we roll this out, we want to make sure our machine learning technology you know, minimizes those biases. So we're not kind of choosing shows, we're not choosing shows for diverse audiences. Um, and so, you know, though we know those biases exist, we want to make sure that that's ready before we bring this to market so that we're not, not including certain audiences or certain types of podcasts. That's brilliant. Yeah. And that has been uh, such a tricky thing in the construction of AI, because what does machine learning do other than stratify what it thinks it knows at a pace that is just uncatchable, upable too at a certain point by humans. So making sure that diversity and inclusivity and equity is being baked into those. I remember, I forget the conversation I was having, but like, if you ask what is genius, and the people in the room produce six Western-based 
Caucasian males then does the concept, the esoteric concept of genius now get put into this box that some people are and some people aren't. So uh, I, I think that it's just vital work you're doing because this is the time five years ago was the time, but y'all were already on this. So this is the time that we all as an industry really need to be making sure that the AI and the machine learning that we're creating right now is created to serve a diverse uh, and inclusive world. Um, so very well said across the board. I'm not shocked, but I am delighted to hear your thoughts about this. All right. So sometimes this is the hardest question of the podcast. Sometimes it's the easiest. So I'm going to put this out here. Um, Y'all seem to be okay in determining who goes first for this, but I'm going to need an answer from all three. So Maria, Caleb, Tamara, favorite artist or album of all time and why? Yeah. I can I can start. You're brave man, Caleb. Yeah, I think uh, it's easy for me because my favorite artist also has produced my favorite album, so I can just do it all at once. Brilliant. Uh, but my favorite artist of all time is is Wilco, and it's been the biggest bond between my dad and I. It's both of our favorite artists, so it's it's definitely probably sentimental as well. Uh, and then my favorite Wilco album is Being There. I think that's the mm. tough which, which Wilco album is my favorite. But I do like how they, you know, they definitely went a little crazier, more indie in, in some of their later albums, but I do like how being there kind of falls back on, on Jeff Tweedy's Americana folk roots, but also adds mm -hmm. in some alt rock, especially with like Monday and, and a couple of the other songs. So I think when I look back on Wilco's catalog, that's always the album I, I go back to, but um, they're definitely, definitely my favorite artist. Love that. Fantastic answer. I remember what I am trying to break your heart. The first time I saw that as a documentary that if you haven't seen it and you like music documentaries, even if you've never heard of Wilco, they're not your brand. Like it as a piece is absolutely incredible. So love that answer. Who's who's stepping up next? I could go in the middle. So I I'm pretty eclectic in my music taste. So this was a really difficult. We love it. So I had to go back to my roots and I picked Purple Rain by Prince. Because, I mean, that was an amazing album. It was a story of his life as an artist in a movie. The, mm -hmm. the, uh, the album was the soundtrack. It was amazing. And all Minnesota. So first half, all those great things. And I'm a Minnesota girl at heart, born and raised. So Prince, Purple Rain. How are you gonna go wrong in that? You know what's weird, Caleb? When and you when Dove's Pride yeah. was on that album. Yes. I mean, God. <laughs> and I've said this because this is that is not the first time Prince was brought up as as the a favorite album or favorite artist. He's so good at so many things that it's hard. Like you talk about him as a, a songwriter and you forget how good he was a guitarist. And you talk about him as the greatest guitarist maybe of all time. And you forget how good a producer he was. It's just one of those things where he just does too much too well. Love the answer. So we are cooking. Tamara, bring us home. Um, for me, American Beauty by Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead's fav favorite. American Beauty is a favorite album. Mm. Um, I'm really inspired by like Eastern mysticism uh, growing mm. up as an ex-Soviet Union kid. Uh, 
so uh, I think that some of the beauty for me in that album is speaking to kind of our collective ties to the human spirit and how it manifests through the beautiful like art and culture that we can all find com- comfort in together. Um, so I, I just feel like for me, there's no better album than kind of tapping back into that like human soul connection and the music. I love it. I love it. And it's so funny because I was just telling the story of how I snuck into the back of a Grateful Dead uh, concert. It was Rat Dog at the time, but it was one of the million of uh, uh, Grateful Dead iterations. But I remember sneaking through the forest at the back of this amphitheater being one of my very first live musical experiences. So I, uh, yeah, just fantastic all, all across the board, just aces, home runs. Thank Thank you so so much now let's bring it up to the present time is there something you're listening to now be it a song an artist a podcast or a book that is getting you excited nowadays keep the same order uh so for music wise i'm a huge sucker for olivia rodrigo so i've been loving her her new album Guts. she's been crushing it crushing it and then we're really getting into the uh turnpike troubadours kind of comeback i guess they haven't mm. put out an album five or six years and so their new album uh, I think it's a cat in the rain is has been on repeat for the last couple months and then podcast wise I'm a big fan of American history tellers uh, and so there's a new season about the San Francisco San Francisco earthquake that started a couple weeks ago that I'm I'm very excited to to finish the the series love it love it I guess that means that I'm up next. Mm-hmm. Um, so podcasts, I listen to a podcast. I don't, it's certainly not the top 10, 50 or 100, but I really enjoy a podcast called That's How You Do It. And it mm. is a companion to Survivor, which yes, I still watch. Oh my God. Um, I think it's an amazing social game. And I really enjoy sort of how, how you have to, you know, get other people to believe you when you're maybe trying to do something nefarious, but that at the end you have to get them to vote for you because they think you're the best strategist. So I still watch Survivor. And this is an amazing podcast. If you want to get your like strategy take on it, it's by two poker players who like to talk about the strategy of the game. Uh, and because so books good. are my jam, and you just uh, mentioned that I could also talk about books. Um, I read 86 last year, but the last five star I had, I read a few weeks ago called The Trauma Cleaner. Uh, mm. Very, very interesting memoir about a transgender woman who was a trauma cleaner, meaning somebody has to go clean up when someone dies somewhere or when hoarders uh, have a house that needs to be cleaned. And so it's really her life story transposed on this company that she has cleaning traumatic situations. That sounds crazy. And Maria, you are not alone. I, it's so funny this weekend, like, like, like 48 hours ago, I was hanging out with a very, very good friend of mine who told me he is in a survivor fantasy league. And yeah, yeah, he and his sister listen to hours of strategy podcasts around the program Survivor. This is brand new to me. And now the second time I'm hearing it, it is many days. Mm-hmm. So y'all, if you're looking to, to for something to plug into, because the conversation I heard the two of them have, it was like they were either preparing to invade a country or build one. Like that was the level of depth about like what was happening. So that is, there's a lot to sink your teeth into. I am now just learning. 
in this week. So that is really cool. Uh, that is really awesome. And we're getting, we are racking up the recommendations so far because the trauma cleaner sounds like an absolutely singular tale um, and can only imagine the stories. Tamara, bring us home. So my media diet these days is very varied and most of my podcast consumption is quite political on both sides of the spectrum, just trying to understand what's going on. But I'll shout out one non-super political podcast that I really, really adore and it, I never miss it because it really is uh, very humorous and uh, the hosts, uh, one of them is an author who wrote some of my favorite books and the other one is a stand-up comedian. So you know it's going to be a good time and it's called Sounds Like a Cult um and it's just amazing uh it speaks about the everyday cults that we're all a part of like soul cycle and like i don't know like really kind of seemingly benign things and it's quite fun just to reflect on the social uh kind of norms that we have today um uh, so that's my that's my podcast of the week uh recommendation but for books uh, I'm reading two very topical books. I similarly, I can never decide. I can never be reading just one book. Uh, but two topical books about AI, I'd love to shout them out. One of them is called Your Face Belongs to Us. Oh, okay. It's by Cashmere Hill. Have you heard of that one? There was a there was another book called Your Face Looks Like Something and I Love You. And that's what I thought oh. you were going to. But yeah, I have not yet read this. Your Face Belongs to Us. It's, it's so Kashmir Hill is a New York Times uh, reporter, and she did this crazy expose on Clearview AI, which, if you would believe it, is a company that already exists, where you could upload a photo, uh, any photo of anybody, and it'll identify them and find all of the photos of them on the internet. Oh, uh, no. Terrifying, but real and important to understand that it exists and what we can do about it. The other one is called Unmasking AI, and it's mm. by this researcher named Joy and I'll butcher her last name, it's Bull Womini, and she's at the MIT Media Lab, and she basically studies the racial biases and algorithms, and she came mm. to it by, originally, some of her early work was looking at, like, biases in facial recognition technology, and specifically, like, salience. She found that the Twitter salience algorithm will always pick the white face, even if it's a image of black faces with, like, a tiny white face in the corner, just, like, put there intentionally to try to mess with the algorithm, it's just such a fascinating read about the importances of seeing differences rather than erasing them and not building to an average that doesn't exist. Um, love them. That is amazing and sounds like some vital re uh, reading. And I've definitely got a cults are kind of my guilty pleasure. I have way too fascinated with them. So sounds like a cult is on my week's listening list now. My friends, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I really do think that there is a lot of important work being done here to make podcasts the channel that it deserves to be. So as somebody who's creating these things every other week, I, uh, I salute everybody on this podcast. Keep up the good work and thanks for being guests on the Marketing Futures Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join us in two weeks when we hop back on the Artificial Intelligence Express with Upper Rights, Alan Shulman, a conversation I had at the ANA Masters of Marketing Conference. The Marketing Futures Podcast airs Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Got an idea for a topic or guest for the show? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. And as always, get what you need to future-proof your brand at ana.net 
slash futures. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.